They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt and Paul Wooster. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Next Gen On Mission podcast. My name is Shane Pruitt, National Next Gen Director for the North American Mission Board. And on, as always, is my my bro, my co-host, Paul Wooster, National Collegiate Director for the North American Mission Board. Paul, what's up, man? What's going on, man? Hey, I'm looking forward to this summer. And one of the things I'm looking forward to this summer is summer movies, dude. Um, our movie theater in Chico has been closed and it's still closed unless you want to book it. Um, I might book it with a bunch of buddies and just watch some Star Wars or something. I don't know what we're going to do, but man, what are your plans this summer, Shane? Yeah. Hey, well, you being in California, I think I saw there's a plan to reopen movie theaters in like 2028, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, well, man, this summer, man, uh, is a summer full of youth camps, student camps, which, man, I love that. You always see God move in tremendous ways. In fact, our guest on today is one of the best of the best when you think of reaching teenagers with the gospel, leading student camps, and it's none other than Dr. Todd Sanders, a dear, dear brother to me, a dear friend. He is the Falls Creek Program Director and youth ministry specialist for Oklahoma Baptist. He's a husband, father, follower of Jesus. And then Paul, recently a doctor, man. Can you believe that? Got to give him some respect around here, man. No doubt. So, hey, without further (laughs) ado, welcome to the Next Gen on Mission podcast, Dr. Todd Sanders. Hey, listen, on a plane, if they go, is there a doctor on the plane? Do you have to like raise your hand now? No, I would not raise my hand. So I could I could offer uh, like unskilled medical procedures. Yeah, um, opinions. Right. Uh, so yeah, yeah I'm, not, right. I'm not jumping into the fray on that one. Yeah, no, yeah. That's when people <laughs> call me Doctor Shane Pruitt or whatever. I'm like, I'm not even a registered nurse. Yeah, I don't want that pressure. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if you feel this. I think sometimes people say it uh, like in a condescending manner, uh, like almost like, "Oh, Doctor Sanders," or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know if you really are like meaning that, or if you're just joking or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll take it yeah. because I feel like I earned it. So no yeah. doubt, man. Yeah, you have hey, to work well, hard for it. Sure. Hey, just know on here, man, and with us, it's with the <laughs> utmost respect, man. Yeah, that's right. Well, awesome. Todd, well, welcome, man. We're so glad that you're on. And uh, hey, before we be jump here. in and get too spiritual, man, tell us one fun fact that we need to know about Todd Sanders that we may not already know. One fun fact about me. Um, uh, yeah, well, we were talking earlier, a big Star Wars fan, love Star yep. Wars. Um, nice. I was, uh, went to the, uh, original opening showing in 77 for my sixth birthday. Wow. Um, so it literally has been a part of pretty much every year of my life. So, um, yeah, big Star Wars fan. I love DC comics over Marvel. Um, mm. but I like Marvel. I'll take Marvel, but yeah, I'm a big yeah. Batman fan. And, uh, yeah. So there's a little pop culture, uh, insight to me. Okay, what about the DC movies versus the Marvel movies? Let's oh, Marvel Marvel movies, no question. Marvel okay, movies, okay, no good. question. I was DC, I was worried a little bit. For DC a can't seem to dial it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess like, come on, get your act together. There's the best characters, and we got to be able to make some good movies here. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I was I was in Todd's office a couple of months ago. I was at uh, the Oklahoma Baptist Building uh, filming some videos and. Went in Todd's office and he's got Star Wars memorabilia all over his office 
Paul. I mean, it's amazing, man. It makes it's just that nostalgia feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if y'all seen at Target. Target's bringing back some like retro toy lines. Like they have a whole section for He Man now, and it just brings joy to my heart. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, so Todd, man, we're gonna jump into some of those serious questions. So, do what do we need to know about the next generation? And when I hear the next generation, I really hear the now generation, the church right now. But what do we need to know about Generation Z, the next generation? Yeah, I um, I love that question, and one thing that I've really been thinking about and 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 stirred up about recently is we, I think all too often when we think of next generation, especially when it relates to ministry in the church, is we we're in a reactionary mode, and so we're we're addressing the generation that's right in front of us that we're having to deal with, right? And there, there I think that there's a reason for that. I think I think that that's good. Um, we need to be focused on that, but. But my question is, well, what about the, the next generation and, and what about the next generation behind them? There's always going to be a next generation. So how can we we back up the train and begin to do things that undergird disciple making at every generation, no matter the cultural distinctives, no matter the generational distinctives, the, the cultural shifts? Like, how are we um, positioning and ministry to put foundations in that are consistent through all generations um, that mark the people of God, that mark the movement of God in the world, that mark who God is and how he reveals himself and his redemptive plan to humanity. So, um, what are those things? Um, so, so when I think next generation, I begin to think, um, like the, the generations that are yet unnamed as scripture talks about the generations yet to come. And wow. so how can we position and minister in a way that, that looks past now, do we need to know the distinctions of Gen Z and, and millennials and, and, you know, Gen Alpha or, uh, you know, Gen C that's coming behind us or whatever we want to call it, or that it's been named early on here. Um, yes, we do. Um, but to reach this generation that's just emerging, like we're really reaching millennial parents and so, so we're so so. Where does that shift line, next generation? What does that mean? So I think rather than get caught up in reactionary to what's right in front of us, we need to to back up and kind of let it breathe and and figure it out from a way that, no matter what happens generation to generation, we're always going to be front loading these things, um, at whatever level we need to, and then we're addressing cultural shifts as well. Uh, so we're not as always reactionary and we're more functioning. Um, it's kind of like parenting, right? Um, we want to move from reactionary mode into a, a functioning, healthy functioning role, um, yeah. rather than just like whatever's going on in this moment. Um, we we have something that we're working through and that God's leading us through. Now, that said, um, uh, I think uh, for um, next generation, we're, we're defining this and trying to define this at our state level with leaders around the state, with youth, children, and collegiate ministries. Um, and we've started a think tank just thinking through, and I talked to Shane about this um, a while back, um, last fall, I believe. Um, so just conversations about what is next-gen ministry, and what we're looking at when we think of that, we're, we're taking next-gen as being um, really um, birth through probably 25 is we're looking at this range. Yep. So we're not yeah. saying next generation is just Gen Z. Um, uh, it's not, you know, just, you know, youth and collegiate, but, but it's that whole span. And then how do we create uh, a system and strategies 
um, that addresses that uh, at every level. Um, so what are the consistent threads, again, uh, that speak on a children's level, that speak on a youth level, collegiate level? And then obviously we're gonna then do the work to contextualize it to each of those age groups um, to say, how does it unfold and develop? So, so that's kind of what, when we think next gen right now, we're looking at that range up to 25, you know, birth, obviously your ministry to, you know, new babies is through parents and, and such. Yeah. Um, but that, that's what we're looking at when we think next gen. So yes, it is a now gen, but I, but it's stretching out now and yet to come maybe is wow. the way I would think about it. Love that. Yeah, man, that is so good. I, I, that's, I think we've asked a ton of people that question. Um, and that's the first time we've got that answer. That's just kind of expanded it like, and, it. and broaden it to what is it going to be generations to come and how are we, how are we building our, our churches and our ministries to thrive, not just for this generation and the next generation, but the next one after that. And so Man, I love how you think, and I think you know your work that you do at Falls Creek Camp, leading that. Um, man, that seems like that's you. You have to think bigger in order to um, to do that. So yeah, tell us, give us an overview of the ministry of Falls Creek and your role in it, and some of the things that God has done over the years. Yeah, so um, I've been a part of Falls Creek programming either on the work group or officially as a, a staff member here at Oklahoma Baptist since 1996. Um, and so a lot of the changes that have been made over the years, I've been able to be involved with that, at least from an advisory side. Um, and then started the convention here about 12 years ago. Um, and, and then this past three, um, my predecessor, Andy Harrison, uh, stepped into a new role as our conference center's director. And so Falls Creek really is a place and a thing. Um, we have a, a campgrounds um, yeah. and that is uh, owned by Oklahoma Baptist and Oklahoma Baptist churches have the facilities on grounds. And so uh, we have 100 plus cabins that are owned by 100 plus churches in our convention uh, here in the state. And so um, Falls Creek, the place um, is what Andy oversees in the conference centers down there with Cross Timbers, our children's mission adventure camp as well. And then we do the programming for the youth weeks. And so that's my primary responsibility. Um, you know, a lot of times we have those conversations about you must be gearing up for camp. And really the conversation should be like I, I never stopped gearing up for camp because we're right. <laughs> you know, right now we're booking 2022 and 2023 and, and looking down the road. So it's a constant process and have great support. But my main role is Falls Creek Program Director. And then I also do student ministry um, from a small groups, discipleship, leadership development perspective uh, here in the state. Um, so Falls Creek Ministry, we reach about um, uh, upwards of 50,000 people in a summer. Um, that would equate to about 10% each year of our high school and middle school population in Oklahoma. So um, wow. if you want to run the numbers on what that looks like over time, but each year we reach about 10% of our uh, student population, meaning high school, middle school, um, youth population. Um, and so uh, we have uh, um, those churches that come in, we'll, we'll reach anywhere for, you know, in the 800s in our churches. Um, most of those, the majority of those, 60 to 70%, 65 to 70%, 75 percent are um, Oklahoma Baptist churches, and then we have about 25 percent, up to 25 percent that we reach from around uh, the region and across the nation. So mostly in the states that touch us, but we do have representation uh, there as well. So um, yeah, so that gives you a little bit of the scope. So when we think about camp, 
Um, it's just a, a different culture. It's a different nature, has a different history than a lot of camps and campgrounds. Um, so the way that we participate and cooperate with churches from around the state, it's become a long time legacy. Um, it's become a long time uh, culture that's been developed. Um, and one certainly that God has worked through over the years just to, to um, reach the lost, to change lives, to strengthen spiritual development in students and adults. Um, also to strengthen the church and then to send. Um, uh, those are uh, probably our four, you know, big things that we're aiming at when we think Falls Creek Youth Camp. So mm, does that man. sum it up for you a little bit? Yeah, that is great. And yeah, I just yeah. love just how the, the amount of people and students and young people that you guys are impacting and it's amazing life change that's happening. And Shane and I, of course, so like we are huge fans of that type of ministry because so many lives are changed by that. And so we just want to celebrate with you all the work that you're yeah, doing so much yeah. and yeah, encourage absolutely. people to ministry leaders to think about like catalytic events that that is can be a great tool um, in advancing the gospel. And so you're a lot of ministries see students saved. And one thing where Shane and I are also passionate about is getting students that are saved at camp or, or other times, baptized um, as quickly as possible and in the best possible way. And so I know that's something you're passionate about as well. So first of all, like why is baptism so important? What is biblical baptism and why is baptism so important? Well, I know for, for me, and I, and I think the reason it's so important, one, it's, um, it's written into the DNA of the church and who we are as believers um, also, that first step of obedience that we take to proclaim to the world outwardly what God has done in our hearts through Christ. So it's that external picture. And so I think, um, you know, biblical baptism, a, a believing person who's placed their faith and trust in Christ, then says to the world, this is what I've done. This is what God has done in me. And so I want to make that known. And so there's great cause for one celebration. There's great cause for challenge, um, encouragement in that, and also um, just a launch pad uh, for a believer in their personal life, but also that the students and adults get to come alongside and be a part of that. I think it's an important part of the church being, you know, one of the, the, the two ordinances that we would hold up on a consistent basis. And that's remembering through the Lord's Supper and that's celebrating life in Christ through baptism. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's largely important. It's It's integral to our faith. Um, and, and I think it's great to see, and as a part of Falls Creek, we have a student decision team. And so we want students to be involved with that process from the beginning and helping lead students to faith in Christ and then helping them follow up on that process starting at camp um, and then uh, walking through, and like you said, celebrating um, those decisions uh, through baptism. So um, mm -hmm. that, that's how I view biblical baptism and, and why it's such an important part of what we do in the church, but also through our camp ministry and our youth ministry here in the state. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I would, I would say that it, it's a huge part of what we do. Yeah. I love that. And it is. And I, and I love being able to be there and see it firsthand Todd, and how intentional y'all are at Falls Creek, but even uh, around the state and everything that y'all are doing. And so Todd, you and I've talked about this before, um, you know, really the narrative in Southern Baptist life for years, and when I say years, decades, has been a continual decline 
and baptism of teenagers. Why do you think there's been a decline? And I know there's many layers to that question. You know, one is, and you and I have discussed this specifically before, is uh, the reporting and annual church profile and all that. But set that to the side. Um, we do know that probably fewer and fewer teenagers are getting reached with the gospel and baptized uh, over the years in, in Southern Baptist churches. Why do you think that is largely? Yeah, I think a, a number of different things. I, and Shane, you, you had brought this up, and I think there's a bigger discussion than what you were specifically talking about just a second ago. Uh, but but you were just, uh, like recently, we've talked and, and I've heard you speak on, like, what's the true narrative? Like, how do we get to really the reason? And I think ACP and reporting, I think that that's a big part of it. And I think what that does for us is it makes us harder to get to real numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, Because what we do on our level, if we're pulling numbers, we start to have to extrapolate and we have to start Mm -hmm. imagining and say, well, let's let's manipulate the numbers in this way where we say, well, we're going to drop off those low numbers, right? Or let's just Mm -hmm. do averages on the ones that do report or whatever the case might be. (laughs) Interestingly enough, here in Oklahoma, there's not a significant change when you drop out those non-reporting churches mm-hmm. um, over those years. It's, it's not, it doesn't give us enough of the answer. And so it's not, okay. Oh, it's just reporting. It's it, that's, mm-hmm. and so that solves it. Look at our baptism numbers. They're great. Um, yeah. I think for a number of reasons, and I think this is something that is, is a passion area for me and just looking at our disciple making systems and processes in our churches and I think um, we don't have a clear, um, and I, actually I'm working on a, 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 a leader development thing right now. And I think we do a good job when we think about systems, we do a good job in looking at the vital elements, but we don't create a system that connects all those together, um, right. that, that creates yeah. an ongoing process that we can just rely yeah. on consistently. So um, two, I think that we we don't want to... Um, do the work a lot of times. I think it's, uh, but I think some of that comes back to, to modeling. So if you had someone model a process, then that may be more natural to you. Um, like I have friends that do all the time. They're doing these large baptism services and it's just regular and it's ongoing mm-hmm. rather than we're piecemealing it together and we're as decisions come or whatever. So there's, there's not, and, and I don't think it's, it's necessarily a negative on the leader. I think that um, it's just a lack of maybe modeling and that process and helping someone develop in that. So how can we help churches? So I think it's, it's reporting. I think we see the decline because we lack systems, we lack mm-hmm. effective processes. Um, and so what I said is like our systems glitch, right? Um, so when our systems glitch, it's time for a reboot um, or maybe a soft software upgrade. Right. Um, yep. So, so I think maybe there's some things we can think through in terms of, baptism, salvations. And that goes back to what are we doing on the front end to help us see the results on the back end. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if we look at, I I think, so it's, it's the work, it's the process. I think sometimes it's just lack of engagement um, all the way through the gospel process. Um, So, so engagement means we're advancing the gospel. Then we have, we're inviting to the gospel. We're following up processes and then we and we have that response, and then we're connecting them back to to the local church. That that really helps us tease out um, down into the layers of of the anatomy to say like, what are the things that we insert in all these layers, right? So if you have a seven layer cake and you got two layers without the cream filling, mm-hmm. well, that's not going to be the best 
cake. You know, I mean, you're, you're, I mean, you got to parse there. But now I'm hungry, man. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. No, there's no connection. So, I mean, I think a lot of different reasons. Long story short, like what you ask, what are the reasons? I think it's a, a it's it's a lot of stuff that that uh, things that are interwoven uh, that that create this long time slow bleed. And Dr. Dilbeck, our executive director, has talked multiple times and helped us see like this is the worst kind of decline. Um, because you can't assign it to one thing. It's not like yeah, cataclysmic. Right. It's not, well, maybe 2020. Like, okay, there's right. there's a reason why mm-hmm. it dipped half or whatever. Right. But but over 30 years, you don't have that one thing. It's just a, a percent or two a year. You know, it's very small mm-hmm. to where it's it's drastic difference now when we get here. Um, so what are those things we're doing? I think it's it's that we we we've shied away from or pushed away from, like you're saying, these uh, evangelism events or platform evangelism. We've, we've, uh, we've obviously, because we're not developing disciples in the right way, we're, we're impacted at a personal evangelism level. Um, so, so it's just a lot of different factors, I think, that are contributing to the overall picture. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with all that, Todd. And that's why I love uh, the heart y'all have at Oklahoma Baptist and, and the leadership of Dr. Dilbeck and then your leadership and Brian Baldwin, um, because you guys aren't going, all right, we have a problem only. Y'all are saying, okay, there's an issue. Like, what can we do to cultivate um, an, uh, an opportunity in our state to see teenagers reach with the gospel and baptize? Um, because there's also that whole other element to go, okay, here's all these reasons. But at the end of the day, the Lord has to save, right? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. no one's getting baptized if the Lord doesn't save people. But there are some things that we can do as followers of Jesus to cultivate atmospheres for this uh, to be propelled in a way for teenagers to be effectively reached with the gospel and therefore baptized yeah. by immersion. So, Todd, you've shared a little bit uh, with me kind of offline, off recording about some of the um, really some of the goals that you are going to set in the state and really some challenges in a positive way, challenges that you are really going to really encourage your churches with um, moving forward in the areas yeah. of student baptism, mm-hmm. youth baptism. Would you share a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I will say just based kind of what you were saying there just a minute ago and looking for, you know, understanding this, that nothing spiritual happens without a move of the Holy Spirit. Like this is not something we can orchestrate. It's not something we can demand of God. It's not something we can presume upon God for. Mm -hmm. Um, So we need to rest fully in that. Um, But that being said, we also need to position in a way that that we're ready for him to do that work. Um, so, so for example, at camp this year, I I've put out a prayer, um, uh, just a, a prayer emphasis. And I've asked people to pray for 3000 youth salvations over the course of our summer. Um, wow. and we've, Amazing. we've never seen like 25, 2600 would be max for us in previous summers. Um, so, so basically just saying, God do something that we've never seen before. Yep. Um, yep. God, call more students to ministry than we've ever seen. And that's, that's not a, um, that's not something I can orchestrate, but you know what? I can have enough follow-up guides. Um, I can, I can have enough decision guides printed. Yep. I can have the pins in place. I can, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can be ready um, for God to move in that way and expect him. Um, But then he's, he does the work, right? We're just faithful in that moment. So we're just trying to be faithful and and related to the goals that we set. Our uh, Dr. Dilbeck has given us four big goals across the state 
uh, for the next five years. Uh, one of those is, is an attendance increase. Um, and just knowing this, that um, healthy leaders make healthy churches, healthy churches mm-hmm. reach. And, and to, right. to attendance goals are not just for numeric you know, purposes, attendance right. goals. And I don't want to jump ahead. I think we got a question coming up about numbers, <laughs> but, um, but numbers represent people. And so yep. we want to see more people in, in our churches and growing in our churches, healthy churches um, that, are, that are led by healthy pastors and leaders. Um, so, so there's the, the root of that, and he's been leading us in that. One is giving um, just to see the cooperative work forward. Um, and our church has been so faithful, um, even through COVID um, and the pandemic over the past year, to, to give cooperatively. And so it's just cool to be a part of that and to see that work. Um, and then the other two are related to baptism and sending. Um, so we want to see 20% more Oklahomans on the field in the next five years, um, internationally wow. through church planning. Um, and then we want to see 20% increase in baptism numbers over the next five years, cumulatively. And so what I did is it was just, it was, as we talked, and I think at our evangelism conference in 2019, we talked about mm-hmm. this. Um, what we've done is we've said, what does that look like for us? What's the number? If we have 3,000 baptisms, 20% of that, well, what does that break down to per year? And so really, really we have not set goals for our churches in the year by year, but more than that, just challenge people um, to think in terms of what goal do you want to get to? Um, do you want to baptize? Can you baptize one more than you did last year? For some, that would be going from zero to one. Yeah. That's a pretty big percentage increase for them. Um, <laughs> right. Or if you baptized yeah. 50, well, then what does that mean? It's going to mean, um, you know, uh, over the next five years, if we want 20, it's, it's you know, you know, 4% a year, 5% a year. So it's five more people or it's four more people, three more people. So just trying to help them think of if you want that result in the end, what's the lead indicator? Like what, are, you know, what, are, what do we need to back up to, to say, how can we get there? Well, if we want to see this many more students baptized, are we then, let's evaluate, are we presenting the gospel on a consistent basis? Are we inviting students into faith? Are we doing that on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and Sunday school classes and small groups? Like have we activated our leaders and our students to be personal evangelists. Right. And so that backs up from that. If we expect them to do that, have we trained them? Um, have we uh, given them an opportunity? Um, so, so they're just a lot of little like layers. I, I, I have a degree in zoology, I think in terms of dissection, right? So if I'm going nice. to ease away the layers of a, of a muscle, well, then, then that, that takes a lot of work and it, it's very careful work. It's tedious, but, but still I have to do it well in order to get the result that I want and to be able to see a clear picture of what I'm trying to see. So, so in the end, if we want to get to baptisms, well, that means a whole bunch of other things mm-hmm. before knowing this, that I can do all that work and the Lord's going to save according to the Lord's will. And so yeah. uh, we rely on him, we rest and we're faithful, we're positioned and we're ready. Um, and that's what I would say just for us, as far as those baptism goals, where do we want to end up? Mm-hmm. And what does that look like at each stage? and then each level of uh, implementation uh, before that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of times people, ministry leaders, sometimes get weird about numbers when you bring up, hey, we want to see this number happen. Honestly, a lot of times because we're insecure about like, what if it doesn't happen? Or we there's a sense of comparison between the different churches. Um, you know, that's, that's something that seems to be um, just – people kind of get that 
But really, we see in the Bible and other places that that there's other people in in history that have kind of said, hey, we're going to shoot for this goal and we're going to trust God for that. Um, So I admire that about y'all that you guys are going for some big specific things that now you're praying for it. And if it happens, you'll say that's an answer to prayer. But if you didn't have that specific goal. um, So I love that. Um, So I want to ask, what are some things that a, a, a church or a student ministry can do like practically uh, if they're not seeing a lot of baptisms um, take place, what are some practical first steps that you would say for a youth pastor or a a pastor about getting that atmosphere, that culture of evangelism cranking? Yeah, I think one of the first steps uh, for me as a youth pastor, and then even being um, I've I've done a youth interim interim youth pastorate twice this year. Um, So I just finished one this past Sunday at uh, one of our churches, and it's been a, a great joy to do that. But just moving, uh, helping move students, you know, spiritually um, into a relationship with the Lord and had the privilege of baptizing a student just several weeks ago. But if there's not a, a ready-made process in place and an expectation, I think that uh, it could be as simple as this. Well, what are we just asking some questions? When will we share the gospel? Mm-hmm. How will we invite students into a faith relationship? when will we baptize them? And so when you ask, when will we baptize them? It brings up a question, how will we get them ready for baptism? Mm-hmm. Um, so that creates a follow-up piece, right? So how will I follow up? Um, so, so if I think in terms of those simple questions, even just sit down and say, um, I should be asking weekly, do we have a student that's, that's ready to be baptized? Now, I don't think that it's always has to be a new believer. I think you're asking those questions. Well, if I need to know if there's a student that needs to be baptized, I need to ask our students, have they been baptized? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, I think just creating a simple series of repeatable steps creates a process that you can, you can have in place and you know what's going to happen. And it's not just guesswork. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big practical thing for people to understand is just do something. Um, to get you positioned to, to see students, one, come to faith, most primarily and most importantly, you know, um, and then follow up with that. How, how will we baptize them? So we've, we've even tried to help our groups at camp do that. We've provided a baptism follow-up piece that every student that makes a profession of faith, they get it that night. Their Great. leader will get that card. Um, we have follow-up materials for them, but that leader gets that card, and they're able to even walk through that conversation and even schedule a, a date, target date, while they're at camp before they go home. Wow. That's because good. you and I, well, we both know that, like, follow-up immediately within 48 hours is so key to, mm-hmm. to next steps and just moving people forward. And so now, will that have to be a parent conversation? Yes. Uh, will that have to be, you know, um, other things involved? We, we may have church processes that we walk through a class or a course so they understand. We have a new believers breakout. We cover baptism as part of that. Um, there are just several things we've tried to do on the front end to help model a process. Now, our leaders' processes are going to be way better than ours. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure more thorough, more um, uh, in, in, more inclusive, like broader in scale. They're going to be so much better. But we're trying to do something to help them uh, get there and and just get baptism on people's minds. And I think that's weekly. I think that's a very practical thing. Just have it on your mind have a direction, 
it's in place and we know where to load people in immediately to say, hey, we're moving them in this direction. We want to celebrate what the Lord's doing. Um, this year, we're, we're adding a wristband, um, and it's it's based on a lot of shirts. You see churches that have shirts saying, I'm not ashamed, or mm-hmm. buried with Christ, and you know, raised to walk. Um, so baptism shirts, but we can't buy shirts for every, you know everyone. Um, so we, we're doing wristbands, and they say on one side, they're double printed, they say buried with Christ in baptism, or buried with Christ. And on the other side, they say raised to walk in newness of life, or raised in new life. Love it. And so we're giving those to every student who makes a profession of faith, so their leaders can have that conversation and they wear it that says buried with Christ until they're baptized. Yeah. And then they flip it oh, um, as man. a show of, of their new life. And good. So it's just, yeah. it's just something we're trying to do to say, Hey, just keep, let's just keep these things in front of people um, and remind them and, and just very practically. And I think there are a lot of our churches, we, we're just taking that lead from our churches who, who model those things so well. Um, and, and so it's just something we think we can do on our camp scale. Um, that, that facilitates that same kind of process. Man, I love that, Todd. Man, so excited to be uh, a part of that and see that this summer. Um, Paul, I get to be with Todd at Falls Creek for two weeks this summer, man. So, wow. so excited about that. And and Todd, one of the things I love about um, Falls Creek is is uh, at night, um, you know, uh, at the gospel is presented, a gospel invitation is given, and as students come, uh, Paul, what's really cool is that uh, Todd alluded to it earlier, uh, but those counselors that's going to walk that teenager through um, that decision is going to walk them through praying to receive Christ and those next steps are often other teenagers or right. uh, very young college students. So, so Paul, uh, so Todd, y'all are so great at this. And so, man, this will be a great closing question for you. You know, the way we always close this podcast uh, on with our next mission on uh, next general mission charge is that we believe the heart behind this podcast is to see the next generation realize they are the now generation, not just the future of the church, but the church right now that they have a mission now, a calling on their life now. And you get to see that firsthand from a lot of young people every single summer. Um, so would you give us one closing thought on this uh, and maybe one practical next step of seeing not the future of the church, but the church right now, even when it's young people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this goes back to just that deficit and disciple making process in the church. Like when I look at stats from our churches that that report on ACP, I see um, the percentage of, uh, of churches, like 13% report that they engage people in a, in a disciple making relationship. Um, or, or would report even discipleship, like 13% of, mm. of their church population, like are reporting, they, they have people involved in discipleship. So wow. that to me says, okay, yeah. even if we're missing some stats you double that, that's not great. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, I mean, you triple it probably still not. Yeah. Great. Um, when we're all called to make disciples. And so, yeah. um, I think a huge part of that. And, and another thing, I'm just a very, I want increasingly want to be more and more practical, um, but to help our, our churches see, hey, you know, a lot of times our students don't do it. One, because we don't model it. Two, we don't offer opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. and, and being on mission now means taking opportunity now. And so Love so um, I always encourage people that with in students and adults um, from a leadership level, the same Holy Spirit that is in you as a student, the same Holy Spirit that's in your student is the same Holy Spirit that was in Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah. we have to give them opportunities to live that out. And I'm wondering, I just, you know, 
uh, riddle me this, um, to borrow from uh, DC Bellin. Uh, <laughs> what if we have leadership voids in our churches because we, as leaders, hoard leadership opportunities and don't mobilize students and young no people, collegians, to do the work um, yeah. of the ministry? Um, and I'm, I'm not saying that's an indictment across the board. I'm not saying we don't try that and, and it doesn't happen in pockets. But what if we would see this generation um, as the now generation mm -hmm. and employ them in ways that they can be like set to work in the church, you know? Um, and mm -hmm. so so I, I think that that comes up and, and we carry that out like through decision team, right? 16 to 20 years of age, we use our adults as encouragers or pastor advisors um, and, and try to use students primarily as decision team members. Now, mm -hmm. is it always perfect? No. Is it messy? Can it get weird? Yeah. Um, but it's the work that we're called to do Love is to, to mobilize yeah. students. And so um, that started years ago with James Langford, his leadership, and Andy carried it forward. And it's something that we feel passionate about, um, that as much as we can involve students in that. Brian Baldwin with Missions and Evangelism, our Go mm -hmm. Students Projects, mobilizing students um, to take the gospel around the, the world. Um, we, we just want to model that for our leaders um, and help them have a process that they could employ then um, to do the work to do and um, then practice that and give students opportunity. So, so my, I guess my charge for students that may be listening or leaders who, who are listening would be take opportunities and give opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that means, it means work. It means that we develop, it means that we train, it means we invest uh, relationally and time and model those things. It means something for us personally um, and I'm convicted about that all the time. Like I'm, yeah. I'm encouraging people to do these things. Well, I need to be doing these things as well. Um, and then I think uh, uh, just it, just create opportunities and then free students uh, to serve. Now, does that look different for every student? Uh, are there students who may not be ready for certain things over others? Um, yeah, um, but we develop all of them to the point and then evaluate maybe where they are and what they could take on. Um, cause every, every student is going to be at a different rhythm. Right. Um, yeah. but anyways, uh, I don't know. I probably said too much there, but my wrap up thought is just opportunity, give yeah, and take opportunities. Um, and that's really the church at work in this moment. Um, and, and then long-term look at, um, how we can carry that forward and what we can produce in order to continue to see that happen. Um, one of the things I did in my research for doctoral work, um, one of the things I came across, it was, um, it was actually a study of a Catholic church study, uh, but they were interviewing young people as why they disengage from the church. And I think this is consistent, uh, would be consistent if we were to ask that question. Um, and, and it was, uh, they didn't feel heard and they weren't involved. Wow. Um, yes. So, yeah. so I think if we can create those relationships that open up conversation where mm -hmm. students feel valued and heard and, and connected, and um, they're, they're making a difference and then also connected in the life of service. Um, I, I think those things are important. Wow, Todd, that yeah. is so good. <laughs> Man, yeah. I can tell you have a wealth of info and, and thoughts and ideas and systems and strategies that um, I think some listeners are going to be thinking, man, I want to connect with Todd and pick his brain or just get some resources. So what are some ways that our listeners can connect with you um, personally or on social media, et cetera? Uh, yeah, my email is tsanders at oklahomabaptist.org. 
Um, so uh, again, T. Sanders at OklahomaBaptist.org. Uh, you can uh, reach me through, um, uh, well, uh, my Instagram handle is at stickfish, S-T-I-K-F-I-S-H, <laughs> and um, Todd A. Sanders on Twitter. So uh, if you want to hit me up there. Um, and then our website, uh, you can reach us at OklahomaBaptist.org slash youth. Uh, or um, currently scopos, S-K-O-P-O-S dot org. Um, we're in that whole rebrand uh, mm-hmm. website shift. So either of those websites work, um, but uh, my email probably be the most direct. So Awesome. Well, Todd, thank you so much for being on, my Thanks, dear guys. friend. I appreciate it. Grateful for you. And, and listeners, I know uh, you're just as encouraged and blessed as Paul and I are. Um, one thing I love about Todd Sanders is, uh, he's a big picture visionary. Uh, he's an inspiration guy. He can inspire people to mobilization, but he's also so practical, like those yeah. next steps that you could hear just constant practical next steps. So I love that. So friends, thank you so much for engaging and listening to the Next General Mission podcast. If you have any questions on reaching the next generation, please email us at evangelism at nam.net. We'll try to address those on a future podcast. And we just want to say once again, on behalf of Paul and I, thank you so much for engaging with this podcast. If it's a blessing to you, a help to you, we want to encourage you, subscribe, follow. Hey, give it a a five-star rating and review. Um, If you have a different opinion of a five-star rating review, then just don't give a rating review. Only five (laughs) stars. Welcome around here. I'm just kidding. And then share it. Yeah, share it with your friends. And uh, listen, friends, we are so thankful for you and the support, the, the momentum and the growth of this podcast really blows us away. So thank you so much for engaging with it, sharing it. You've already been so good at doing that. And listen, friends, we want you to have a great rest of your day and tell somebody about Jesus.